Dr. Homebrew is brought to you by Five Star Chemicals, providing safety and cleaning supplies for brewing, distilling, and winemaking at fivestarchemicals.com. Dr. Love. Stand aside, nurse. I'm Dr. Homebrew. Everyone, welcome back once again. Dr. Homebrew live at the Hop Grenade in Concord, California. Did I say that right? California? Yes, that's the new name for the state. We've All succeeded right. and, and pronounced it that way from we, now on. We have succeeded. I'm, I'm glad succeeded. you looked at it. Oh. Succeeded? Oh. Isn't that those nuts like up in like Jefferson yes. County or something like that where they just want to be, you know, the five people in a hundred mile radius that share a barn? No. Hang on a second. Oh. There? Yeah, okay. Actually, no, it's the Nuts in Silicon Valley who sponsored that bill. They want to secede from the rest of the state so they can keep all their tax money themselves. Oh, why But not? I heard JP, uh, uh, sorry, Justin got, uh, <laughs> got got the bill modified so we get get our own state here around the hop grenade. Oh, that's good. Our own, own, little, own little province here. Micro well, there state. you go. All right, the state of beer. Yeah, <laughs> that'd be good. Just, uh, just Toto Santo Square. Right. That'd be cool. I'd like to live outside of it, so I don't have to pay taxes to support it, but I would come and enjoy it. They probably won't stop you at the border crossing. <laughs> uh, they might imagine? go on out, but not coming in. Right. <laughs> the drunk tax is pretty heavy, though. I mean, yeah, you're going to have to pay as soon as you come in. Just sell yeah. out all your money, empty your pockets. That's all right. I can, I can afford it. After all, I do uh, you know, podcast radio for a living. That's right. <clears throat> Can't fake that. Uh, anyway, welcome to the show, everybody. It is Dr. Homebrew. <laughs> You could try to fake you it. You can try to fake it, but you can't. That's You're faking it right now. You can't do it. Stop faking it. Stop it. Because you can't do it. Uh, if you're listening live, by the way, or if uh, for whatever reason you want to dig through the archives and watch us do this show, uh, we do not have a live stream up right now. Uh, Justin is uh, officially in Denver for the Great American Beer Festival, and he has that computer Lucky. with him. So um, Good thing yeah. I didn't post that. Right. Don't look. Oh, uh, Bebo now does our... our, our advanced live stream pages and she's like and i told her that i was like eh, look so well uh, you don't have to come in tonight because there's no camera for you to switch she goes mother you know, this is the <laughs> one time i did it in advance and to let everybody know um it uh we don't have it so i laughed at her pretty so hard she, you made her waste her time for nothing <laughs> and now she hates you uh it's all right i'm used to it oh, it's nothing man. new yeah, so uh, don't look for us on live stream. But normally, if you want to uh, watch our show, you can head over to new.livestream.com slash brewing network or the brewing network or something like that and uh, find us, search the brewing network, search Dr. Homebrew, and uh, everything is good. Just ignore all those other shows on there. Oh, wait, no, you might listen to some of them too. Yeah, maybe, but uh, you know, check out ours first. Uh, before we get started, I want to thank our, our sponsor, Five Star. What's this? I'm getting past a note. Uh, we're live, we're good. Thanks, Phil. Uh, Justin has new... Yes. What do you need? You might need to want to raise your mic a bit. I do? Maybe. I don't know. You're, you're not coming through very loud. I'm not? Hmm. Which is amazing, because you're actually pretty loud in, per- in person. How's this? That's Am better. I, is it better? You're resonant now. All right. Perfect. Cool. Uh, 
while we were away, Justin got some new computers. And uh, so there's all sorts of new software and all sorts of new stuff for me to learn because uh, life isn't hard enough for me. I need to uh, I need to be throwing new stuff every now and then. You gotta so. learn where to put those new sliders. <laughs> we made right. us judge and all we're not talking White Castle here. Beers, right? And, and we judged all the beers in advance while he was learning about this stuff. Yeah, <laughs> I got my notes. I got my two pages of notes. <laughs> trying to figure stuff out. Thanks, JP. Uh, maybe it's too loud in my headphones and not loud. Whatever. Anyway, that could be. Critical mass in the headphones. <sighs> it's fine. Anyways. Just another day. Just Anyways. another day at the office, everybody. That's all it is. Uh, before we get started, let's uh, thank our sponsor, Five Star Chemicals. Thank you. You can get all of your cleaning needs met from fivestarchemicals.com. If you're a brewer of any length of time, you're familiar with Five Star, I'm sure, even though maybe you don't know about it. Uh, they do PPW, they do Star Sand, Sandy Clean, IO Star, uh, you name it. If it's a high quality cleaning and sanitizing chemical, uh, five Star is usually behind it. So uh, if you're not familiar with them, head over to your local homebrew shop or you can find them online, fivestarchemicals.com, and uh, check, them, check them out, check their products out. Uh, really great bunch of people. We had uh, one of the guys, I think his name was Charlie, years ago on the session. That guy is a wealth of mm. knowledge. Uh, it was it was really great. They they know their stuff. They know how to clean. They know how to sanitize. And they know that you can't do those things at the same time. You have to clean first before you sanitize. So check those folks out. Another way you can get a hold of some of their products is just to come on our show. Yes, if you come on our show, every guest of uh, Dr. Homebrew will receive a thank you pack from Five Star Chemicals. That's right, fivestarchemicals.com. Although I did get a note. <laughs> some guy didn't get his. Uh-oh. He's like, I don't want a bitch, but I'm going to bitch. All right. Okay. I didn't get mine yet. I want one, too. You should low. get one. You've been on the show for a I long got, time. Like, one tablespoon of PBW left at home. <laughs> yeah. I've got kegs to clean, man. Uh, you know, I need to do that. So I don't really brew during the summer. I shut down because it's hot and I don't like doing things. Uh, just in general. Uh, but I need to run through all of my kegs. And th- that's what I want to do. Get a free Saturday or Sunday and just... Strip all of my kegs, rebuild them all, mm-hmm. clean them, sanitize them, pressurize them, and have them, uh, and see how long that lasts. With a goal of, you know, once one blows, to Four. clean it and sanitize it, and then fill it and have it back, yeah. so I can just pull clean ones during kegging. But that never happened. Get a rotation that, going. That's how it works. I've never been able to do that. I did it once. <laughs> You've never done that. I did it once. I was able to. You can do it. You can do it. You need to get out of the studio more often, JP. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Go Start home. brewing some beer. Maybe. Go home. Brew your beer. Whip ya. Go. Go. Just clean your cakes. You know, I, I, I have no more beer at the house. I want to brew some more beer, uh, but I don't want to do it. I don't want to brew. I mean, I want to have beer. I want to have home brew at the house. I want to have a variety of beers that I don't have to pay for, but uh, I don't feel like brewing. I just, I'm partner up. Partner up with someone with a 10-gallon system and make them do all I have work. a 10-gallon system. Steal their beer. Make or it's cider season. Make cider a lot easier. I'm going. So yeah. Warren and I usually make uh, cider together. And I, I uh, just talking to the day. He goes, oh, I don't really feel like I'm into it now. I don't have the room. What do you mean you don't have the room? You had the room last year. Well, I don't want. Uh, this is how he talks. I don't want. Uh, you know, all my stuff taken up by by cider. I want to brew some more beer. Really selfish. Well, you've got the space. I do. Just I'll, do it. Just do it. Just go to the store. Buy some organic do. apple juice. If you don't can't, mm. can't get cider. Maybe. Can't get apples. No. I know people getting apples. I'll hook you up. Yeah? Yeah. All right. I'd, I'd be in. That, that would be better, like getting it on a group buy, because I don't want to yeah. do like 30 gallons or no, something No, my club's like that. doing one a couple okay. weeks. All right. Does your club make good cider? Uh, you, we pre- we're pitching in for apples and juice, and you take it home, do what you want with it. On Tuesday? So you're making right. cider. No, it's not Tuesday. Okay. A couple weeks. Oh, okay. Yeah. But you I'm just out. said Tuesday. You're confusing me. 
Yeah, I don't think he so? said Tuesday. What did you say? A couple of weeks. I'm going to rewind. You take Where's, it home. Where's the tape? <laughs> Tuesday. We press E. You buy I rewound out. the tape. You just heard it. Only when you talk backwards does it say Tuesday. Oh, <laughs> uh, you're probably right. We could do a Dr. Homebrew right, yeah. brewing session. Just the three of us, man. Just Get three together. of us. Oh, Each take three and, a, three, and three, three and a third gallons home from JP's 10-gallon system. <laughs> That'd be a comedy of errors. <laughs> Uh, okay, let me get through this, and then we're going to take a break, and then we're going to jump into our um, our guest here. So uh, in case you are new or unfamiliar with Dr. Homebrew, which our first show I just found out was um, uh, in, back in month five of last year. So we're almost a year and a half yeah. old. It's pretty good. We're almost ready for our terrible twos. This is our 34. Uh, we've been on uh, terrible ones. Yeah. Did uh, we get any Emmys or anything? It's our 34th show. You know, there's like a handful of podcast awards. I'm sure yeah. we're in the top running for something. I'm sure. Something. I mean, why would we? Well, podcast. did we get like the, the most earnest broadcasters at the BN Award last year or something crap? Some, <laughs> well, some I don't know. Shit like that. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, did you ever get your yeah. award, your plaque uh, for that? No. I, oh, I really? That was part of it. They told oh. you to get one, but you don't. No. It's, it's like, the, like Star Citizen. <laughs> we're the yeah. best podcast to listen to at 1.5 speed on your Apple right. product. <laughs> Better you than half all this speed. nonsense. It gets exciting when you slow talk about us beer down. at just super slow speeds. The um, aroma, pretty good. Uh, you should be a voiceover guy. The uh, purpose and point of Doctor Homebrew is uh, people like Phil here. If you're a homebrewer, you can either come into the studio or contact me, JP at thebringnumber.com, and uh, send us your beer, and then we'll call you. We'll Skype you. We'll do whatever uh, whatever it takes to get you into the show. Or and, wander uh, in from the hop grenade with a pint of beer from the bar. Go, hey, I found this. <laughs> and uh, we just talk about your beer. Brian and Lee are both master BJCP judges. I am uh, not. Um, and uh, they fill out the score sheets. They do all this kind of stuff. We talk about it, and uh, we give you feedback, and we let you ask the questions. Uh, the really hard-hitting questions. So, Phil, I'm assuming you have some hard-hitting questions for our judges today. I do. All right. Uh, so we're going to take a break real fast. We're going to come back. We're going to uh, line up Phil. He has a, uh, a Belgian double. A doubly. Doubly, right? Doubly. Dublicon. Doubly. Dubel. All right. And then we're going to do one of our uh, world-famous, and I say this uh, with all earnest, world-famous, um, what is it called? Commercial calibration beer. An Oktoberfest slash Mertzen from Pauliner. Pauliner? Pauliner. 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 We need Paul a soundbite for that, like some, some like flashy sounding thing. <laughs> Commercial calibration. Dr. Homebrew. <laughs> I'll put push right on it. You'll be like, really, guys? Uh, that'd be good. I'll do <laughs> That'll it. That'll be it. Really, yeah, guys? Commercial like, really? calibration time. And then that's okay. it. He'll just dump a bunch of stuff he's already done. Doctor, look, it's commercial <laughs> calibration. <laughs> he could spend a night recording himself yawning deeply. Oh, that'd be good. You record my dog yawning. That's a good one, too. There you go. Let's do that. <laughs> Let's do that. Uh, well, dogs are lame. Um, yeah, so why are we doing the Polliner? Uh, because it's coming in the stores. You should yeah. be able to get it relatively fresh now. Now. Right? Right. Right now. Go you out and get hope. it. Come back. Listen to the show. And um, then you can kind of just calibrate your palate. We like to do this every now and then. And, uh, it, it, you know, I think it's good. It's good to, to, to hear what master BJCP judges are tasting. And these are the guys who are tasting your beers, right? So you want to know um, how to get your palate kind of in line with them or at least get the same vocabulary. So then when you're tasting some similar stuff, then you can go, oh, it's not that word. They use this word, and that kind of makes more sense. And, and uh, you know, so hopefully we can help out your judging skills as well. So let me see if I can figure out how to run this spot. And uh, we're going to take a break, if all goes well, folks. And then we come back, we're going to talk with Phil and his Balajan de Blah. 
Why can't I want this one? Just run the spot, JP. Will it do this? Let me see. Just stroke the button. No. You gently. have to tickle it over there. Yeah, well, I don't understand. So you have to like open the playlist <laughs> and then you drag everything over like a dummy. Um, Stupid! All right. I sense an edit coming up for the podcast. No, not at all. <laughs> Wait, get in. Justin, this new program sucks. The Twenty First Amendment. Watch out! Do you like beer? They make beer. Watch out! Do you like friends and fun? They make friends and fun. Watch out! Do you still like to have a good time? The Twenty First Amendment. Watch out! The Twenty First Amendment in San Francisco, located at five six three Second Street, two blocks from the building where baseball is seen and played. Try their beers in the pub or try them in the can. Featuring Monk's Blood, made with real monk. Watch out! So why not have the best time of your life? Go to the Twenty One A and Sean O'Sullivan will personally greet you with a can of Monk's Blood. The Twenty First Amendment. Watch out! This advertisement is not in any way affiliated nor associated with the 21st Amendment Bar and Pub, nor its subsidiaries or affiliates. This telecast is not copywritten by the 21st Amendment for the private use of the Brewing Network. Any use of this telecast without Jamil Zanishev's consent is prohibited. Suck it, JP. Since the first time the Brewing Network microphones turned on, more beer was behind it. More Beer sponsors the programming on the BN because, like you, they love brewing. And like the Brewing Network, they love sharing their knowledge. MoreBeer.com isn't just a website to place your next equipment or ingredient order. MoreBeer.com also gives you access to free beer information that will make you a better brewer. Go to morebeer.com and click into the Learning Center. You'll find podcasts, technical facts, video tutorials, and more, including access to The Buzz, More Beer's social network of more than 5,000 members. And some of them might even be crazier about beer than you are. Get over to morebeer.com today and take advantage of The Buzz, The Forum, The Learning Center, and make sure you're signed up to receive the newest More Beer catalog. More Beer. Bringing you absolutely everything for beer making. That's it. I've had it. I am never putting hops in my beer again. What? Why? It's just too ridiculous. Insane prices, stupid contracts, high shipping costs, crappy selection. Dude, you need Nico Brew. Nico Brew will rock your f***ing face right the f*** off your f***ing skull. $5 shipping to all 50 states, plus fantastic international rates get you low prices on Nico Brew's great selection of hops and more. Whether you're a home brewer, a pro brewer, or a home brew shop owner, Nico Brew can get you the hops you need in increments big and small, single orders, spot buys, or full contracts. And there's only one place to join the uber-special Secret Elite. Elite Bare Bones Club, where you'll get the best deals anywhere. Holy f***ing shit. NicoBrew.com. N-I-K-O-B-R-E-W. Nico Brew, your bare bones buddy in the brewing business. Now serving patient number 189. Number 189 to the counter, please. Now back to Dr. Homebrew. All right, welcome back, everyone. We do have Phil in the studio, as promised. Phil with his Balaj and Dubois. It's Phil Anselmo from from Pantera, actually. I think, <laughs> isn't he? I don't know. Maybe. I, well, think metal was I don't think so, guys. I was getting a little excited there. <laughs> Phil, how you doing, man? 
I'm doing great. Uh, it's an honor to be here. Oh. And I get to see these guys every now and then at some of the competitions around here. That's so. too bad. Yeah, so this will like be the really third time is last week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's too bad for you. NCHF, Oktoberfest. No, all fun. Here we are again. All fine. Yeah, NCHF. That was a lot of fun. Whew. Yeah, here. You guys uh, You guys had a blast. People recognized your voices. You got the whole, I know your voice thing. <laughs> Walk up to a booth, steal their beer, and they like say, oh. And then they want feedback. I like your show. Give me some feedback on my beer. Here, taste them all. <laughs> yeah. Oh, nice lighting there. It Ooh. leads to a lot of midday naps. I yeah. bet I can imagine there's a there's a lot of people there uh, napping during the midday. Mostly on their feet. A lot of people <laughs> nap while listening to our show. Yeah, that's the thing. Yeah. You, you, you can't fall asleep there. You'll miss all the action. Right? Yeah. It's like, a lot of fun. Uh, like weird, like more homebrew being poured. Homebrew being poured. Yeah, they had Jamil and Palmer up there talking on stage. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it sounds like a good time. A lot yeah. of people know it's a, it's a marathon, not a sprint. You hear that said quite a lot around there. Oh, I can imagine. <laughs> uh, all right, Phil, how long have you been homebrewing, man? I've been brewing about, uh, I want to say, almost five years. And okay. uh, my wife's listening right now, so hi, Janelle. Oh. It's all her fault because when um, we, we uh, had spent uh, almost a month in Europe, and I got to uh, go to some uh, great drinking establishments in Prague and uh, places like... Uh, uh, Bruges and mm-hmm. and Amsterdam and uh, up and down Germany and France and I this is before I brewed but uh, I came back with a renewed appreciation and and uh, that Christmas under the tree there was this cool little kit and I totally jumped into it and it was like that was it so nice I, I think yeah. uh, I, that that was my start I think I did three uh, three extract and my fourth I read some books by a couple folks on on your other shows yeah. And uh, learned a lot real quick. There's an enormous amount of information on the webs, uh, especially Brewing Network. Oh, for sure, and, yeah. Um, and my fourth uh, uh, brew attempt was a, a triple decoction Doppelbach. I just oh. figured, uh, wow. what the heck, just jump in hands over feet. and What a nut bar. And from there, it was, uh, it's, it's, I've probably brewed about 100 batches in the last five years. So That's great. So it's been pretty neat. That's awesome, man. Totally into it. So, uh, Belgian double. This, have, you, have you done this style before? This is uh, my third attempt at this uh, recipe. Okay. Yeah. Where'd so, you get the recipe from? Did um, you make it up? I, I, I cloned it with a couple of adjustments. I tweak it every now and then, but uh, okay. there's, a, there's a book for yeah. sale. There's two guys uh, who, who wrote the book, BCS, uh-huh. I call it. And oh, it's got a lot of dogger pages. Nice. And, and yeah, those two, those two guys were a couple of my heroes in the brewing world. So you took it uh, as a base style and kind of just made it your own. That's right. That's in good. Fact, almost, I like every, almost every uh, beer I make is, is comes right out of that. Those are base recipes for me. Awesome. That's worked wonderful. Cool. And uh, I imagine this is an all-grain all grain batch, This is right? an all-grain. I, I do 10 gallons now because... My uh, seven or eight hour brew day only had to grow by forty five minutes to make ten gallons instead of five. So yeah, why what not? the heck? Why not? You know? Yeah, it's only forty five minutes. Mm-hmm. You know, who cares? Yeah. It's only your liver that has to work harder. <laughs> right. <laughs> more to share, more to give away. Uh, all right, Brian, why don't you uh, start us off with Phil's beer here, man? Ah, uh, the Belgian double. double. Yes, uh, in the aroma, they've had a lot of uh, cherry like esters and uh, fruity notes, uh, possibly also from the malt, but just a lot of esters in general, some plum, cherry, um, and also had a pretty strong phenolic component in there, um, the peppery, kind of a medium white pepper, whiff of that stuff in your nose there. And, uh, you know, it's, um, I would, I would have liked a little more raisiny richness in here. But it didn't have any uh, any obvious bad stuff. No DMS. No buttery 
diacetyl, anything like that, acetaldehyde. So f- fairly clean ale ferment profile, uh, Belgian ale <laughs> profile with all the phenolics there um, and esters. The appearance uh, was pretty nice. It had this kind of rich reddish pinkish amber color with a, a low beige colored head that, that faded pretty quickly to color fine bubbles. This is a pretty strong beer, so it can fade fairly quickly. This will just drop pretty quick. Um, there was a, it's it's not one hundred percent clear. There's a, a tiny bit of haze in there, uh, you know. But the appearance is pretty pretty much where it needs to be. A little kind of it's a it's it looks like a a fruity beer. Just looking at it too. <laughs> um, in the flavor, yeah, I get that a little bit. You get a uh, yeah. some some rich cherry like malt notes. And this was where that peppery phenolic kind of started taking over for me, too. It's really, it, it was pretty high, and it started obscuring some of the other elements in there. It almost had kind of a smoky nature to it. And um, kind of, you know, intense phenolics. And you could you feel them going up into your nose a little bit. And it's like, wow, you know, I have a campfire here going on. But, <laughs> you know, smoke is another phenolic uh, thing. As long as there's also medicinal phenolics and things like that. There was none of that in here. But uh, a lot of the spicy ones and a lot of the the peppery, especially, but uh, a little smoke too. Just um, the alcohol was was definitely noticeable in the flavor, and it's 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 pretty um, in, intense and a little bit on the harsh side, I have to say. But uh, you know, spicy big alcohol in there, and you can definitely you can definitely get that flavor. Yeah. Um, the balance to me is is towards the yeast. You know, some beers are malt balanced, some are hot balanced. This is all yeast character to me, and and you know the malts in there underneath that supporting it, but it's um, you know big fruity and peppery flavors from the yeast and also from the malt uh, playing together in there. And that that just lingers right into the aftertaste. So, body wise, it's you know pretty medium full body, uh, maybe medium to medium low carbonation. I would say fairly prominent alcohol warmth though. It's it's really kind of attacking the back of my throat, and uh, it does it does have a little bit of a stringency in there uh, beneath that as well. Not a very like creamy smooth beer. It's a little it's a little much on the palate, but it's um you know it's it's um. It's kind of where it needs to be for the style, so it's you know medium full and and it's pretty intense. But this is just a little bit. It's this one turned to eleven somehow. <laughs> um, a pretty nicely brewed overall, pretty nice brewed, nicely brewed double with a lot going for it. It lacks that smooth, rich, raisiny character I like in the best examples, and that that rough heat and the phenolics, that really intense stuff there, are kind of distracting from from the the pleasure of it and, and taking over a little bit. Um, to fix that, I would suggest adding, well, pro- probably getting some of that stuff out of the way would let the, the raisiny character shine through a little more. Uh, but, you, you know, if not, add a little more special B. But um, I would definitely work on controlling your yeast early in the fermentation. Uh, maybe start with a lower temp. Make sure you pitch plenty of it. And um, you can start with a lower temp and go higher later. Maybe you did that. We'll find out. But you ensure an adequate yeast pitch from a big, healthy, viable yeast starter. And um, you could stand to dial back the ABV a touch on this, too. This yeast is prone to kicking out some of those higher alcohols. So you really do have to be careful with it and, and take care of your yeast and keep it happy. So, um, But it's good and drinkable, just, just really intense. I, I couldn't find a lot of flaws in it other than the, the kind of 
alcohol harshness, but I gave it a 30. I thought it was a, a pretty nice beer uh, in the, you know, uh, very, you know, very good, I guess you could say, on the low end of the very good scale of things here. So, um, hey, low end of very good is still better than yeah, not good. It's, it's better. Yeah. <laughs> or something. Yeah. There's some wise uh, phrase than, in there somewhere, Brian. It's better than problematic, fair, or just regular good. <laughs> there you go. So, um, our friend Pete DeDink. Uh, in the chat room, wants to know if those esters, uh, the pepper and smoky, would they die down over time? Ooh, hmm. Good question, Pete. I'd like to know that answer too. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Brian, he's, he's waiting for them. Yeah. Um, I think they may. The, you know, the flavors are going to kind of meld as you let this age, especially with such a strong beer. Some of those intense things are going to uh, break down a little bit. I think some of the higher alcohols might break down, but that's going to take a while. They might slowly, slowly turn into less, um, less solventy, hot alcohols over time. But it's, um, yeah, good question, Pete. Thanks. <laughs> um, I, I think that phenolic's going to stay there for quite a while. It's so intense. All right, there you go, Lee. You're up, dude. All right. Yeah. Um, so this beer, I got a lot of sweet-smelling malt in the nose with a ton of esters, like bruised peaches, um, some cherry, um, and a lot. I mean, it's very ester-dominant, I thought. Some peppery phenols in there with a smoky hint, no hops around, no diacetyl DMS. It was clean for all that. Some caramel, some bread crusts, uh, kind of low on the malt. Um, so in the nose, really, it was very balanced to the esters and the phenols over the malt. And, I mean, a, a classic double usually is going to present as... A, fair, a nice, not malty like a German Bach or something like that, but it's usually going to be fairly malt for with a good balance with some esters and a little bit of phenols. For this one, I think the esters are kind of racing out in the lead here, and the phenols are close behind, and the malt's kind of taking a back seat to all that. So the balance, I think, was a little off on, on what you I mean, the, the, the all the aromas you'd want are there, but the balance is not quite where you want it to be, for a good example, the style. Uh, appearance is okay. Has a low head. It, it pretty much disappeared. These things generally, the good ones, have a nice moosey head that sticks around for a long time. Fairly hazy, at least when I had it first. It seems clearer now. I think the sample I've got now is warmed up, so it's possible there's a little chill haze in there. Not sure. Um, uh, nice orange color, sort of on the lighter side for double, but that's fine. Flavor uh, kind of reprises what's in the nose. A lot of um, sweet malt and caramel up front, and then just this big cherry and banana esters followed. And they kind of take over. Um, a little bit of low spicy phenols in there that sort of grew over time. Uh, seemed to have a little bit of that smoky character to it again. No hop aroma in there. Just enough bittering to balance the malt. Um, although it came across as a bit... It didn't quite balance the malt, actually. I thought it was a little bit in the sweet side for the balance. So it finishes sweet. With a lot of lingering cherry and banana and some figs, they did get a little bit of that dark fruit in there, and some caramel and a lingering alcohol that that sort of sat behind for a long time, turned into a bit of a burn in the end. Not not bad, but it's just, I think the alcohols, some nice spicy character to the alcohols in these beers is very desirable. Getting into solventy and heat is not. And I think it's, you're 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 maybe putting a few toes over that that threshold there. It's starting to get a little bit warm. For the body, medium body, medium low carbonation, I thought it could have been gassed up a bit higher. Um, alcohol warmth was medium, but definitely was getting some spicy and some some maybe bit of heat to the to it in the end. Not astringent, medium low creaminess. In the end, I, I kind of agree with what Brian said. It's it's a little too sweet. The esters and the phenols are kind of running over the malt flavor, so it doesn't balance out properly. 
the most obvious fix for that is going to be involving your yeast. So a bigger pitch, a lower starting ferment temperature, uh, more oxygen, maybe yeast nutrition if you did anything like that. Um, other things that can do that in this style of beer is if you're adding some sugar in there, like some candy sugar or anything else, don't add it up front. Sometimes it's good to add that after the high croissant has started to fall off because sometimes these yeasts will adapt to eating just the real simple sugars up front. And if you give it that up front, then they won't want to finish off the more complex sugars later. That is the problem. So sometimes you want to add those bigger sugars later. That is a really good point. Yeah. Thank you. I, um, I wish sure. I had said that. Yeah. Well, you can say that. <laughs> well, you want to make like sure to that you that? Uh, Yeah. No, you say it. Um, yeah, that's it. Um, and if that doesn't dry it out enough, you can always drop the mash temperature a bit. But I would address the yeast first if you want to repeat this. I, I gave it a 28 in the end. You know, it had a lot of the right stuff there. It just, it just needs to have its balance fixed. Yeah. Um, and to good. Pete's question, yeah. yeah. I, I think the esters will fade pretty quickly over time. from the. And this is not an old beer, is it? Not at no, all. No. no. The esters when did you will, brew this? I brewed this uh, about five weeks ago. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. The esters will probably fade out in another couple of months. Not all the way, but a lot of it. The phenols might stick around more. The alcohol will probably take a year or two to start converting into some other esters and other things. And then actually could get really interesting uh, with the alcohols in this over time. So I mean, it might not hurt to sit on something. They'll bottle this up and sit on it for a year. Yeah, I'll be back in two years. Yeah. <laughs> uh, at five weeks, it already, it already has a, a fair amount of complexity. Yeah. So it, it seems like uh, you're on the right track. Yeah, but if it dries out some more and those esters fade out, some yeah. of that alcohol turns uh, from, from heat into spicy or rose-like or some of the things you can get when you let those sorts of alcohols age and esterify in a bottle, it, it could change its character and come out a lot better, actually. Awesome. Yeah, my guess is this is strong enough you could probably age it a bit. Yeah, Phil's nodding. Yeah, I, I I'm, I'm waiting to jump in here. You guys are doing great with Go your diagnostics. So. Yeah. Go for it. Well, okay, so do you want to start with the, uh, the recipe and, uh, and the process? Yeah, give us the or? recipe. Why not? Okay. Well, it was, again, it was just a tweak out of Brewing Classic Styles. I used 22. Again, this is a 10-gallon all grain, so 22 pounds of, of uh, Pilsner, um, two, about 2.5 two pounds of Munich, 1 pound of Special B, uh, 1 pound of 20-degree aromatic, one pound of Cure Munich 60. Um, and um, I, I had one pound, or yeah, one pound of dark candy syrup, 60 degrees, and one and a half pounds of cane sugar. All of that stuff went in the boil. So um, you guys nailed it on, I, I, quite frankly, I've never done the, the sugar in fermentation before. I don't, I don't know if there's a special technique to that. I'm, I'm very sanitation conscious, so you guys want to weigh in and, and tell the listeners, you know, what's the you best sh- procedure to do that? I think you that? just curse at it real loud. You <laughs> curse at it real loud and scare right. away all the bacteria, yeah. You, I've done that several times, and usually what I do is I'll boil up a syrup with whatever sugar that's going in there. You know, as thick as I can get it so it'll still pour. Chill it down so it's about the same temperature as the beer. You know, you can just, you can just do this in a pot and let it sit overnight to cool off. And then just pour it in. And usually you want to wait till the croissant has peaked and settled out a bit. Not you don't want it to be completely finishing out, but get it in after so croissant has like started. So like eighteen, twenty four hours, and uh, it depends just pour how it on fast in there. your ferments go on. But wait, okay. wait till the foam has peaked and is starting to drop off. Okay, a bit. so that could be a day or two then. A day or two or three, depending. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, or four. You could let it go a little later, just right after the peak. But I wouldn't wait till it's really starting to clear out. Okay, then you can stagger and, those yeast feedings too. You know, and just keep yeah. do. Uh, you know, when, when you first see it going down, add a third of your sugars, add another third the next day or two days later, and add another third a day or two after that, and just keep it going. That'll keep the 
keep the yeast like perked up and happy and, and kind of keep that, that uh, beer drying out a little more and smoothing out as, as it goes. Okay. Great. You guys Sweet. are blessed. Yes. Let's see. Uh, uh, so I, I uh, use Beersmith, too. So I, I've got uh, my well water. I'm on a well system. So I adjusted it to the Antwerp profile. Um, put it in. Uh, my mash was a rock-solid 148 degrees because some of my previous brews, I've, I've not valued the high, the high body and the under attenuation. So I targeted towards the lower end of the mash. Yeah, you um, should do that those, for this. Those, oh. Yeah. Um, 75 minute lauder, 90 minute boil. Again, everything went in at the boil. I used uh, Tetnanger at uh, 60 minutes and then 10 minutes. So uh, two and a half minutes at 60, half an ounce, or two and a half ounces at 60, half an ounce at uh, 10 minutes uh, before knockout. Um, in terms of yeast, um, I had just come off of. Uh, a Belgian blonde, and I had a really nice yeast cake. So I grabbed a bunch of that. I I, um, I washed it, and I put that in a big starter, in a five liter starter. And then I had a couple of vials of you know the high gravity Trappist and the Belgian Abbey too. I think in this case, a couple of vials of that, and I I created uh, two two liter starters. So I had a lot of yeast going into both uh, fermenters. You pitched those separately into different fermenters. I, I did, yes. Okay, and which one is this? Or do you blend them? I think this is uh, these. This is actually a blend. Yeah, so it's got like three different yeast uh, varieties going on in there. So, did you notice if one of those two was drier or sweeter? Well, the other one's still in secondary right now, so we'll, we'll have to find out later. <laughs> Maybe at the next competition, I'll I'll bring some out for you guys. Um, so, at any rate, I thought. I mean, the the starter was just rocking and rolling. It was uh, bubbles coming up, you know, stir plates going. So I had no doubt that the yeast was just going to munch away, and awesome. and they they did. Um, to the most part, but I think, uh, like uh, Brian, what you said, the yeast attacked the the, the easy sugars first because I had all that simple cane sugar in the boil. Or I guess Lee said that. I, I repeated it after Lee okay. said it, and uh, Brian and the, said it too. And then they got lazy, right? <laughs> and then they just stopped munching away at the rest of the sugars. So yeah, that's that's the theory. And and if that's what you did, it kind of seems like that's how it worked out mm-hmm. here because you certainly are. De- Describing a big enough yeast pitch, it yeah. should have handled this beer. Yeah. What, what was the like OG it. on this? So, um, the original gravity was uh, eighteen eight. So, um, what's 18 that? Like eight? eighteen point eight bricks. So, uh, it's like ten seventy four, whatever that is. Like seventy eight, almost ten eighty. Carry the okay. odd. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, about a pretty big double. It's, it's about yeah. math. It's I the upper it's, end. It's about yeah. math. <laughs> it's higher than JP <laughs> yeah. can count. Someone online right. can get out their calculator for yeah, us right sure. now right. and send it back. Um, um, so fermentation, I, I crashed it down to 66 degrees when I pitched, and uh, the yeast mm-hmm. and the wort were both at uh, standard temperature there at 66. Mm. Um, so I pitched it then. Um, it took off to, like the next morning. Yeah. I, mean, I pitched probably pitched uh, around seven or eight that evening, and the next morning when I got up, went down and looked, it was it was doing its thing. So the yeast were quite happy. Those yeasty boys were just really going. <laughs> In fact, on one of them, I had a serious blow-off. Uh-huh. Um, I experimented with, um, I think, a little bit of uh, uh, polyclare in one and not in the other, just to see. So one of them had a big blow-off and the other didn't. So I'd, I had a big mess on my hands. That's what was fun to clean up <laughs> in your big chest. It freezer, happens. So, yeah. right. um, and then I, I've got a two-stage uh, temperature control system. So i got a, a room air, air conditioning in my chest freezer and uh, thermal blankets sitting around each carboy. So mm-hmm. I had pretty good temperature control. You can... I, I can maintain less than you know one degree difference from target, and after about four or five days, I kicked it up a degree a day. And uh, after ten days, I, I locked in at like uh, I think I ended up seventy two degrees. 
but on this, um, and I think this is where the, the spiciness and the phenols and the alcohol comes in and a little bit of the harshness. Um, we took our kids up to Apple Hill one afternoon, and I decided I was going to um, rack it uh, into the keg that evening. So I pulled the keg out, or the, the carboy out of the freezer where it was under temperature control and just let it sit because I wanted things to settle. And in our kitchen during the day, it, it ran up to like 77, 78 degrees. So I think it sat at that temperature, hit ambient about 78, 79 degrees by the time we got home that evening. And I think that's what may have caused the, the yeast to go fusel mm. and uh, maybe contributed some others. But At that at that stage of, of the, of the game, I don't late. think so, right? You, usually, yeah. I mean, the... the the word out there these days is more or less that most of the production of fusels, nesters, and probably phenols is going on in the early part of your ferment. Okay. Like first and you kept that at 66 hours, for a few days? I did hours. for probably four days. Wow, which is kind of weird that it comes yeah. out so so yeah. ferment forward. Like was that 66 uh, ambient or was that – did you have a, a probe inside your fermentation that vessel? That was uh, with a thermal well. Thermal well. Yeah. yeah. Right. It sounds well, like you just want to blame your kids for your <laughs> beer going south there. I would, personally. Yeah. I'll blame your kids for you. That way there's no blood in your hands. <laughs> then they're right. mucking so, around in the beer. and yeah. Right. Then you so can make may, them drink it. So it's possible that maybe the, the – I mean, I had no. – I thought there was plenty of yeast. The <laughs> yeast looks super active. Yeah. So I'm, I'm a little confounded here on – on, so I don't know exactly how the too. dynamics of this would work, but I mean, if it's that sugar thing and the yeast just sort of stopped eating big sugars and ran out of simple sugars and tried to eat the other stuff, yeah, they might have stressed out again at that point. But that's frankly a flat-out guess. we got to do actual um, work now. <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. I mean, I would have thought most of those kind of flavors would have come in the first couple of days and if it got too hot. Well, the other op- the options are there's maybe not enough oxygen or it was underpitched or the yeast wasn't healthy enough. Okay, so I did uh, oxygenate. Nutrition I, problems. I used a, a metal center stone. I oxygenate it for like three, you know, two, three minutes off of one of those small O2 bottles that you get at the hardware store. And I do that, you know, right after I pitch. Yeah. Um, are you overpitched? Maybe I'm, I over-oxygenated. <laughs> Who knows? Over-oxygenated? <laughs> the other thing is, yeah, this beer is just pretty young. I mean, it, that's hard, right? It might be kind of green, too. Does yeah. it taste different than it did a week or so ago? It, when you you first... know, I had some uh, over the weekend... Um, after you, you guys convinced me to come in here today, I say, well, what, should I really bring it in or not? And uh, and I got a little, when it warmed up, I got a little acetaldehyde, and mm. I still get a little bit, and I'm hunting for the, I had to hunt for it. Um, the yeah, uh, I diacetyl, really get it. I get I get a, mm. a hint of diacetyl, but it's in deep background. Bit. It's straight butter, but it's really hard to, I mean, I'm diacetyl sensitive, so. It's going away. You look like a sensitive man. <laughs> um, it's it's going away though. That so it is kind of it's, changing. Yeah, yeah I you think know, it's remetabolizing. Or don't don't taste it for like six months and then listen to the show. Pour yourself a, a pint and listen to the show. See what happens. I'll be. Yeah. I'll, I'll be curious. I'll be back. More right. time. Yeah. Um, when you when you decided to cake this, it sounds like you said today's the day, and you pulled it out and let it warm up. Yeah. Um, was it still fermenting at all? Did it have any bubbling going, or was I, it totally uh, stopped? I saw very very minor. Um, bubble rise. Right. And what was were, the terminal were, gravity? What was the terminal gravity? Four point nine from down from eighteen eight. So it was. Uh, that's 20? that's almost twenty. Is twenty? Yeah. That's yeah. pretty high for a double, especially with some sugar in there. One of those like sixteen or so, I think. 
Oh, I mean, these things, I mean, with the sugar, they can go down below 10 easy. Oh, really? Um, yeah. Although it was a high start. Maybe yeah. it wouldn't yeah. go all that way, but yeah. 20 yeah. seems high. 1008 to 1018 are the, the yeah. vital okay. stats. So it's a little sweet. Finish. Yeah. Uh, I, I think you probably didn't quite finish out. So yeah, your, your yeast hit a wall here. Uh-huh. It's like, oh, we're being kegged? What? <laughs> so so I, that's what I got, and that's why I didn't uh, rack the second um, carboy right into the keg it's actually oh, it's probably smart it's just yeah. sitting there right that's now. that's gonna be the nice thing, one so. <laughs> right. do you do any um any uh, uh yeast nutrient additives uh I, during I, fermentation not during fermentation but okay. for the starter i always do yeah. that yeah. you might try uh might try doing that uh, uh k is is a real good one that's used a lot in the wine industry and and uh, a lot of beer folks use it too so after uh a third of your sugar drop you just throw a little pinch or two in Never and, tried uh, that. Yeah. I've done it with I, meat I and it, cider, but uh, not in beer. So, Check it out. You use it when you actually brew beer. <laughs> right. Yeah. It does the same yeah. thing with meat. It just keeps that yeast growing and keeps it happy. Yeah. Yeah. Just gives them that, uh, that extra oomph, the, enough food to, uh, to, to cruise on. Yeah. Uh, any more questions for the guys, Phil? Or are you done? Um, I think I'm done. All I think right. you guys uh, nailed it. Cool. Thank you. Great feedback. Well, thanks, you did, man. You did a lot of things right, and it definitely sounds like you know what you're doing. You've got a really good setup. you got a big 10-gallon system with nice temperature control and everything and made a big starter like you should. So, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Sometimes it just happens, but every fermentation is a different animal. That's true. All right, everyone. It's Dr. Homebrew. We're going to take a break. We're up against that break wall. And then uh, when we come back, we're going to do our commercial calibration of the Oktoberfest Merzen from Polaner. Hang tight. We'll be right back. As a brewer, you already don't settle for second best. You want great tasting beer and you want great equipment to make it with. So don't settle for the second best grain mill. You want a monster mill from Monster Brewing Hardware. Monster mills are tough, come in two and three roller designs, and are made right here in the USA from superior materials for longer lasting performance. Pick the mill that's right for you at monsterbrewinghardware.com and take Bevo's advice. Trust me, it's always better to have a bigger tool than you think you need. (laughs) Monster Mills have the best warranty in the business. Your satisfaction is guaranteed. Visit monsterbrewinghardware.com now and check out all the mills and mill accessories. Don't settle for second best. Get a Monster Mill from Monster Brewing Hardware. Have you ever dreamed of attending the World Brewing Academy? This year, thanks to Lalamond and Anstar, one lucky brewer will make that dream a reality for free. Lalamond and Danstar invite you to enter the Beer School 2015 contest. One lucky grand prize winner will receive fully paid tuition to the 2015 World Brewing Academy web-based concise course in brewing technology worth almost $4,000. From now until December 13, 2014, every Danstar yeast pack you use is your ticket to enter. Visit danstaryeast.com for the details and to print your official entry form. There's no limit on the number of times you can enter, so get brewing with Danstar and get your entries in to the Danstar 2015 Beer School Contest. Whether you want to build your home brewing skills or build a career as a professional brewer, this course will change the way you think of beer and brewing. Enter at danstaryeast.com and get the dry yeast advantage with Danstar and Lalamond Premium Brewing Yeast and in to win. 
Hey, dude, you know what beer this is? Oh, uh, no, all the labels are falling off. Yeah, or the ink is run. Well, if it's the pale ale, you're good, but stay away from the quote-unquote Belgian. Oh, man, this guy needs to get some grog tags. Grog tags are reusable, write-on, wipe-off, commercial-grade bottle labels for your brew. The guys at Grog Tag are homebrewers. They wanted great-looking, sturdy labels for your bottles, buckets, carboys, kegs, and growlers. They also wanted a label that not only looks good, but can be easily removed and reapplied during bottling without that nasty glue residue being left behind. No residue, water-resistant, and ice chest approved. Grog Tags stay on in water or an ice chest, and they stay legible. Visit grogtag.com to customize your label or coaster from dozens of different templates for free and see how awesome your bottles can look. Oh, it's that pseudo-Belgian. Yeah, we're getting him some Grog Tags, dude. Grog Tag. At least your beer will look good. Grogtag.com. Welcome back. It is the finale oh, of Dr. Like Homebrew. Armageddon in here. It, well, it is. It's Beer Armageddon, and that's what we like to do around here. Beer Armageddon. That's right. Beer Armageddon. Armageddon <laughs> right? some beer. Well, Phil's still here, so we, I, I don't think we offended him too much. No, I'm, I'm listening. He's was, waiting around to go postal later after the show. Entertaining and educational, yeah. <laughs> if we say mean, crappy things about us beer in a nice enough tone and with a little humor interspersed, people just stick around and listen to us anyway. Right? Why wouldn't they? Uh, before we jump into the second beer here, uh, how about a moment for the fine folks over at the American Homebrewers Association? If you are into beer as much as I think you are, when why wouldn't you be? Because you're listening to this show, and uh, you aren't a member of the AHA, something is very, very wrong with you. Becoming an AHA member gets you tons of great stuff: access to Zymergy Magazine, loads of brewing tips and tricks over on their website. Not to mention letting you enter into the greatest homebrewing competition of all time. The National Homebrewers Competition. So check them out. AHA, uh, they do a lot of great things for homebrewing. They do a lot of great things for the Brewing Network. <clears throat> they do a lot of great things for you. Um, please head on over to American Homebrew Association and become a member today. Protect our homebrewing rights. Now that's a pop. So, okay, we have this beer. It's uh, the Octoberfest Meritson from Paul Lanner, and this is one of our commercial calibration series. And thank you very much for uh, those of you who are giving us great feedback on these. Uh, mm. uh, we've actually had a couple folks write in that say that they're studying for the BGCP exam, and they use some of our commercial calibrations uh, as a way to, to study. So that's pretty cool. And that's really what this is all about. It's, uh, it's just kind of getting everyone's palates on the same plane. Right. And you can read the, the BJCP style guidelines on this. Just download the, the app on your smart or dumb phone, whatever the case may be, and uh, read up. It gives you what you should be getting on the aroma, its appearance, you know, flavor, and all of that. But, uh, you know, yeah, and, and check it out. I mean, you, every liquor store everywhere that I've ever seen usually has some of this stuff around this time. So uh, go and grab yourself a bottle. It should be relatively fresh. Uh, does it have any sort of date code on there? Lee, that you can see. 515 L13841V. There you go. A V, everybody. V, That's the one we're working on. Vapid. <laughs> this beer is best before 515, huh? Okay. Right. So, yeah, I mean, this is one beer that goes back to one person, actually, in, in uh, Germany. Their origin is credited to Gabriel Settlemeyer, and it, it came from an adaptation of the Vienna style. Well, we actually was, have. Uh, 
a history on this. We beer. do. Like, yeah. Uh, wow. Uh, yeah, well, Vienna come on. Doctors need to have take a history on their patient. <laughs> was developed by another one guy, Anton Dreyer. So there's these two dudes like that are, have huge influence on all this beer, and, and there's so much of it still brewed. But wow. one of the things that um, Jamil says in his book that I find uh, you know pretty appropriate is um, this beer is a lot about the the finish. It needs to finish dry enough so you can drink it in mass quantities. It's it's often served by the leader, and it should never be cloying or too full, in the immortal words of Jamil. Or, well, I don't think John Palmer wrote that. Did he? I don't know. Uh, could be. I he, think I think uh, Palmer they, wrote a lot of the he, intros and who stuff. Who wrote the copy on this stuff? Yeah. They did a really good job of kind of boiling the essence down of the beers and the, the book Brewing Classic Styles to what it's really about and what, what, what the, the essence of the beer is. So read those descriptions, too, as part of your beer education if you're studying to be a judge. So. Okay, here we go. Paul, uh, Paul Honor Oktoberfest Meritzen. Right. Is Lee going to start us off talking about this one? Yeah, Lee's going to start us off. We put Brian on the hot chair. I just started talking right. for no reason. That's right. We'll, we'll let him oh, talk. That's fine. No, that, yeah. that, that's how things happen. So, where are we? Paul Honor Oktoberfest. So, <laughs> Good like or bad, say, things happen. The, yes. I do. I love this beer. I'm glad you guys chose this beer. Awesome. Excellent. Fabulous. So what is it? What is an Oktoberfest? It is a toasty, malty, malt-forward beer that's all about malt. It's got enough hops just to make it balance, just to keep it from getting sweet and cloying. You want to have a dry finish, like you said, and we'll have lots of toasty flavor. Should have a very clean lager ferment. Maybe a little bit of sulfur is okay, but generally you don't want that in there. Uh, not for the better example. So really it should have a nice soft palate, finish dry, and you can drink it by the liter. And not feel like you're drinking sugar water and get all bloated and filled up before you fall over drunk. <laughs> um, so that's kind of what this is. Most of the versions of this you get in Germany now, especially if you actually go to the Oktoberfest or paler golden color versions of this beer. Uh, but the classic export styles like we've got here are the ones that are still the sort of nice light copper amber color. Mm-hmm. That's the, tra- the traditional method of If you want to try like uh, the lighter version of it, go for the uh, like Hofbrau version. The uh, And that's more like a, what I would call a fest beer. But this is more like I would call it an Oktoberfest Meritzen, like a, uh, a yeah. Mer- the Meritzen side of things. You know, and, and uh, uh, hearing the style, you, you know, as we do in, in, the, in the beer world, um, I kind of forget how actually light it is. I think of it as, as a, a much darker beer than this kind of light copper, uh, light amber. Yeah. Yeah, you can get them a little thing. darker than this. This is not one of the darkest ones, but yeah, yeah. yeah. Ah! Oh, Brian. Party foul. Do you have any napkins? <laughs> Party foul. Get on that, Phil, would you? I'm sure there oh, might be towels man. in the office. Oh, yeah, there you go. Okay. Phil's all over it. Thanks, Phil. All right. Yeah. So, anyways, what do we get in this beer? So, to be um, upfront about it all, me and Brian bought bottles of this separately, probably 40 miles apart, and judged them separately at home and came in. So the bottles we had were different. So we got slightly different results on these. So for me, I got medium-high malt aroma, toasty melanoidin with an almost candy-like orangey sweetness, threshold noble hop spiciness, no DMS diacetyl, a touch of sulfur in the nose. So pretty decent, not fabulous. I thought it was a little high in the sulfur and a little low in the malt in the nose. Pours a moderate off-white mostly fine foam fades slowly to a light cover could have had better head retention brilliant pale orange that looks very much the style the color and the uh, clarity of it for the flavor toasty melanoidin malt was medium high with a clean firm supporting bittering and a medium hop flavor of um, sort of a spicy floral lavender noble kind of hop character balance was definitely to the malt but not 
not by a huge amount. For me, I think the hops were coming through a little more than I would have expected in a beer like this. Hmm. Um, slight papery oxidation note I picked up, so my bottle might not have been the best treated. Uh, which, Although, one, which one are we drinking right now, yours or uh, Brian's? So what I'm describing is the one that I had. Yeah, which is different from the one Brian had. The one mm-hmm. we're drinking now was the one Brian bought. Okay. All so right. that should be more similar to his. Just want to make sure that uh, I'm not or tasting things that I'm not supposed to be or am. You can hallucinate all you want, but I'm <laughs> okay, describing great. what I had the other night. Perfect. <laughs> right. We won't stop you. Yes. Uh, a little bit of oxidation, that kind of orangey candy flavor, which I'm not sure why it's there. It might have been from the Munich Malt. I, I've noticed some Munich Malts would get a bit of a, a candy kind of flavor to them. Mm-hmm. Friend of mine, friend or two of mine sometimes describe them as tasting like Skittles, although generally he picks that up in the American Munich Malt, which I'm pretty sure Pauliner should not be using, but you never know. Um, finishes dry. I, I wouldn't think they'd be using wouldn't that. Wouldn't that be a though. trip? Yeah. They're no, importing, we're importing all this American. American Malt to make their Oktoberfest. Yeah, right. Yeah, sure. I'm sure. Why not? Finishes dry with lingering toasty malt, some spicy floral hops, slight lingering tartness, I found. Uh, A little bit of a mineral note. It's probably slightly carbonate water here. Mm -hmm. Body and the carbonation were medium. It wasn't hot or warming. It's moderately creamy, no astringent. Um, A little tang of acidity in the finish I thought was a little out of character. This should just have a nice, soft, wonderful malt-forward palate to it. So there shouldn't be any acidity in there at all. So I'm not really sure why that was there. Overall, I thought it was a decent drinker with some nice malt and hop flavors, an absence of DMS or diacetyl. The malt seemed a little bit more restrained than in the better best examples of this I've had. And I've had Polliner that's been better. So I think whatever the bottle I got probably wasn't the best in the world, although it should be reasonably fresh this time of year. Yeah, you would think so. But, that, I mean, that's good that you didn't, because in a way, because you're kind of describing what an off bottle would taste like. Yeah. Or a mistreated yeah. bottle. Which now say. is harder for our listeners to match, but, you know. Right. Well, well, yeah. Um, yeah, I, it tasted to me like it was a little bit old. Although the weird thing, and, and actually that, that meshes a little bit of paper I got, the weird thing was that the hops seemed very forward. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm which you wouldn't expect in an older beer, that the malt would fade faster than the hops. It's yeah. possible, though, and thinking back to some of the comments Brian had about his beer, that I might have been, mistake, been, been letting some synergy with sulfur and hops get the better of me, and it might have been some sulfur I was picking up, too. Huh. Would, which, would the hops... Would, with sort of that spicy, lavendery hops, can kinda, they can okay. kind of blend in a bit. Okay. I might have missed that. You never know. I would, didn't, but I might have. <laughs> yeah. Would the hop flavor uh, fade before the malt, right? Hops Especially in a beer like do. that? Yeah, okay. yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean both can fade, and I mean these you no know, yeast-free bottle loggers don't have a great shelf life usually. Right. Um, so you never know. Okay. I gave it a thirty-one. I thought it was all right. I've had better polliners. I've definitely had better fest beers. Brian. Brian. <clears throat> yeah. Are we I'm okay just, now? Just um. <laughs> yes. I'm, I'm. I've cleaned up the beer spill. Great. I'm gesturing wildly. It's it's not a good thing. <laughs> uh, one more point of history on this beer, though. The, the reason they call it a Meritzen, uh, um it's brewed in, well, in the spring, at, around the end of their traditional brewing season. Um, you know, Meritz is the, the German March, and they call it a Meritzen. Um, and they store it in the, the caves, basically, to um, lager it over the summer, cold caves or cellars in the warm summer months and then they break it out for the big parties in the fall yeah. so you know september rolls around they're breaking out the merits and so that's that's what it's that's why it's called that so just a little awesome fun history have you guys ever brewed uh, this style before i have brewed an oktoberfest and it yeah it sucked <laughs> i've done a few I've it was done, my first okay. lager yeah but yeah. it was okay but yeah it was just wasn't the best 
Um, this one has a, you know, the aroma has a rich toasted malt aroma. I found a little bit of sulfur in there, uh, but nothing too offensive. Very, very faint hop. Uh, a little light spiciness in there. No esters. Uh, no DMS or diacetyl. It was bready. It has like these bread crust-like flavors or aromas to it. Uh, nice and clean lager character and, and um, you know, smells inviting. Just and, and a beautiful beer. Brilliantly clear amber color beer with the, kind of these burnished orange highlights. And, and it has this low off-white head that, that sticks around for a nice while if you don't spill your beer all over the table. <laughs> Who would do such a thing? And the flavor. Who would do such a thing? The, it has a pleasant... Uh, you might need a splash shield in front of the electronics the for the show. <laughs> really nice, pleasant malt balance profile with the, the classic Munich and Vienna-like, uh, the bready, bread crust kind of flavors in harmony with each other. Uh, the hot bitterness is kind of medium-low, just enough to support and give it a little crispness, kind of an edge, uh, along with that dry, you know, fairly dry finish. It finishes semi-dry. But just leave a hint of that malty sweetness there to linger on your tongue and keep you wanting a little bit more of that Moshstein that you're carrying around the beer hall. Um, you know, clean lager ferment, just really uh, wonderfully clean overall, I thought. The bottle I had was seemed pretty nice. And, Lee, you can help me out here if, if you think this bottle, bottle, bleh, bleh, bottle was better than yours. Actually, I think you have a bottle of yours B. here. It's HCB. Yeah, I, I do. I do. And we should try that. Yeah, I let's want to crack taste it yours. Um, Body-wise, um, you know, pretty much what Lee said, medium-bodied, smooth on the palate. I didn't get any astringency, um, creamy, no no intense warmth. It's a, it's like a 5.8% beer. There's a little hint of warmth in the very back of the throat, but um, not anything intense. And medium carbonation. I really thought this was a wonderful beer, uh, wonderful drinking Oktoberfest if you get it fresh this, this season, this time of year. And I love this time of year. Uh, had all the expected elements I wanted. You could slightly reduce that kind of sulfury note I got in the aroma with a little bit of more extended lagering. Uh, they might be pushing it out, you know, pretty fast to get it out for the the fests. But I think Paul Hunter does a pretty good job. And there's other Oktoberfests that are they're equally nice. But uh, this is one of, to me. This is one of the finest. Well made beer, lovely. I gave it a 43. So thank you. And this is Lee's bottle. Let's see. Yeah. It is uh, it is slightly muted. That's for sure. There is kind of a, a, a I don't know a funkiness to it, or um, uh, it's I, a little I see warmer than Brian's was too. Um, it's a little metallic. Maybe a little, I, I get kind of that tartness that you were talking about yeah. up front. Must, uh, yeah, I want to say sour, but not sour. Like the, the tart edge of sour. If that yeah. makes sense. It's like just the pH is touched too low here, and I was mm. getting a little bit of papery oxidation. In this, which is. It's harder. It sort of comes through in the finish here. This one, this yeah, is, I do this get is a little paper. Probably ten degrees warmer than the one Brian just poured. Actually, hmm. interesting, interesting. But you're getting that paper. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's not It'll, as good, Phil. You want to try some not as good some beers? Not as good Oktoberfest. Okay, right. thanks. <laughs> and mine came from a six pack. You know, dug from the very back of a dark shelf, and this one came from a. a you bought yours single bottles and a of, slider rack sort of thing. Line of single bottles, yeah. but in a you know Show off. reputable beer shop. Mm. It sounds a like. very reputable beer shop with good good beer friendly lighting. Yeah. All right. Mm. Is that it for our commercial calibration? I think so. Are there so, any I mean, questions from the listeners or the uh, the chat? Nope. No, from you. They don't nope. care about okay. Oktoberfest. Multi, I've asked multi, all multi. my questions. Yeah, yeah. Multi, toasty, drying in the finish. How, you, how would you? How, well, uh, how would you go about making that? 
would you, you would you do a things? double decoction? Would you do a, a an ex, you know an extended? I mean, classic recipes for this. You could go anywhere from all Munich or fifty fifty Munich Vienna or Munich and Vienna or Vienna plus some Pils malt. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, decoction would be very very welcome yeah. if you want to go to those lengths. You can make it without, but you'll get better better Single. expression on the malt with it. I go for a double if double. you can. Yeah, okay. yeah, and, triple and, would be over over the top, but it, you know it might make it taste better. And you want to get a very, very nice, clean lager ferment on this. So really so give a, it a good pitch. And a beta mash, you know, like below 150, 147, 148. Yeah, there, and then probably finish out at like a one, 158 or something um, yeah. to turn the last little bit. And then classically, you would probably want to even mash out on this so you didn't get, get it too dry. Because you do want some residual uh, dextrins in this. You just don't want it to be unfermented. Yeah, I think so. if you go too crazy on the decoction suit, and they, they probably do triple decoction on these. I don't know, but Not these um, days. maybe a double. I don't know, but yeah, it's it's gonna get it's gonna start bordering on that kind of traditional Bach kind of territory, and you really don't want it to go there. You don't want to get too heavy on the melanoidins. You want to oh, keep yeah. that toasty, pleasant thing in there without rounding it out with a bunch of bunch of melanoidins from your your decoction. Craziness. It's be a little more on the clean side, yeah. As far as your profile yeah. goes, right? yeah, yeah. Okay. And actually, for the mash, I maybe shoot a little higher in one forty eight, like one fifty two, maybe even one fifty four. Okay. So you leave some residual residual dextrins behind, but you don't want it sweet. So we want to make sure the ferment really finishes all, out all the residual sugars in there. Okay, maybe one fifty, but I mean somewhere in there. But make sure your ferment's going to completion. Basically, so. we just said 148 to 154. Right. Okay. But tighten <laughs> low, it up to the middle of that. Low 150. Okay. I'd go for the middle of that. 150, 152. 151. Um, and, and give it a good pitch. No, nice low temperature, like 45, 50, something like that. Yeah. And when it gets to the end, raise it up. Do that diacetyl rest. Hold it there for a day or four. Make sure it finishes out and lager it. Uh, I think the classic lagering is as cold as you can get it without freezing it. Uh, for what is it? It's, it's a week for every four degrees, so probably 10 to 12 weeks for one of these. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, maybe a little longer if you're making it on the big side for a fest beer. Yeah, well, you know, put it down in March, drink it in September, October. Yeah. Good yeah. German. Why not? Yeah. Let's do that next year. Yeah, over JP's house. Yeah, let's do that. Right. His nice cellar, right? Uh, yeah, I have a cellar, sure. He'll I'll dig a hole out. in the backyard. <laughs> be fine. All right. All right. Oh, sorry. Turn my mic off uh, so I can cough. Uh, okay. Well, if that's it for commercial calibration, thanks, uh, boys, for, for, for bringing that beer in. All right, Dad. And doing that whole kind of thing. Now, make sure to clean your, brush your teeth before you go to bed. Uh, before we scram, let's see, make sure I got all my stuff. Uh, I do want to tell you about, uh, in case you're new to the Brewing Network for whatever reason, or you're looking for some more uh, beer radio, check out our other great shows like Brewing with Style. Hosted by Jamul, the aforementioned Jamul, Tasty, and Chicken Boy himself, Mr. John Plisse, making his triumphant return to the Brewing Network. Check it out on iTunes. Head over to the homepage and click on The Jamil Show for all of the Brewing with Style episodes. There you go. All That's right. it. We're almost out of here. Our friends at Five Star Chemicals will be sending you something special in the mail soon, Phil. Appreciate it. Oh, and... Um, since we uh, didn't have another guest, the grog tag, at least your beer will look good. The gift certificate. scoring award automatically. Goes to Phil. All All right. Right. <laughs> so, Phil, you'll be getting a $40 gift certificate to grogtag.com, where you can make your customized, reusable, waterproof, right-on, right-on, offable 
uh, uh, labels. I can't wait. They also do yeah. uh, bottle caps and metal signs and coasters. And uh, actually, the guys at GrogTag just launched a new website called Crush Tag. So if any winemakers out there, uh, they have special uh, designs just for, for, for that section. They have different uh, actual products. They have a kind of a full wrap label going on, uh, some more kind of wine-themed stuff. Uh, so check them out, crushtag.com. Just launched, totally cool, and, uh, you know, totally reusable. All right, now I think we're finally done. Are we going to wrap up, though? Oh, I forgot the wrap up. All right, let's do it real fast. You got a minute and okay, a half. Okay, Phil's beer was pretty good. I liked it. I think it needs to age out a little bit more, and it had some slight uh, heaviness on the phenolic and the alcohol, but some of that stuff's going to age out. Let's drink it in six months. All right, legal. Yeah, yeah a little better yeast ferment. Otherwise, it was fine. All right, I'll bring yeah. it back in six months, and let's do it again. Yeah. All right. See, All right. That was good. How come that takes a whole segment when we do it normally? Oh, because we have another uh, beer? Because we, yeah. We All talk right. too slow. And the Oktoberfest, I agree. Lee's, Lee's bottle sucked. No. It didn't suck. It still tasted good. <laughs> it was had a little bit of oxidation good. starting Holy in. My, yeah. the, the bottle I brought was, of course, quite wonderful. And <laughs> Marvelous. Yeah. Yes. yes. It was great. fabulous. You did great malty. picking that bottle. Can I get a plug in for my, uh, my oh. fellow Greenbelt Brewers? Yeah, please do. Guys. You got about 15 you seconds. Go. Well, I think they're great. So I All just right. thought I'd plug GBA. Thank and you, guys. And if you are in the uh, Livermore area, going at the Eight Bridges Brewery on Saturday, October 18th, from 4 to 7 p.m., uh, check out Brian's birthday party at the Eight Bridges Brewery, which I don't even know. I had no idea that even existed. Uh, Facebook.com slash Better Days Rock. Uh, apparently, this band called Better Days will be playing there. Is that... Are you, right. are you doing that's my, them? And it's my this cover brand. band? Yeah, that's that's my birthday party. Yeah, and it's a uh, buddy of mine from the Mad Snyder just started that brewery, and uh, Justin. So, uh, and they helped us out with uh, Oktoberfest as well. We just kind of chatted about, oh, having my band out there. There we go. Perfect. So, Great. Love doing it. it. Love it. Love it. Go wish Brian happy birthday, and from all of us here at Doctor Homebrew, uh, take it easy, folks.